The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening. Saturday night, a show about money. It's Hi-Fi Radio. Welcome. I guess we're into week two or week three in this time slot. It's an absolute pleasure to uh, spend an hour with you uh, this Saturday night. Uh, money matters, my good friends. It always does, and it always will. Um, and I tell you, when you have some money, you can certainly help those in need. I got a notification about the Covenant House sleepout. The executive sleepout will take place in November. Pinball Clements is out there promoting it, which is good, and the problems just don't go away. And that's, again, a uh, component, uh, a responsibility of each and every one of us to help. And to do so, we need some money. And that's what this show is all about. Uh, welcome to it, Jack Hartle, my partner. How are you, Jack? Very good, Wolfgang. Very good on this, uh, this hot this September evening, actually. One of the last yes. weekends, it seems like a summer. It does indeed. It does indeed. And, uh, well, we're getting through uh, what's normally a pretty challenging month in the market, a little bit of volatility, but uh, nothing that we could not tolerate. And we'll be speaking more about that with uh, our chief investment strategist, Mr. Tony Dwyer, live from Wall Street, frequently seen on CNBC. Uh, Tony is an absolute rock star. You want to hang around for that discussion. But uh, let's kick off the show with some discussion about money, financial planning. Our very own Michael Bellamy, member of the Wolf on Bay Street team, is a financial planner. Uh, Mike, good evening. Uh, welcome to Hi-Fi Radio, the new time slot, Saturday night, 7 to 8. Good to have you with us, Mike. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm glad to be on again, Wolf. Um, why don't we kick off the show with um, the intricacies um, uh, of, of managing money. Um, there are so many choices simply with account selection. Again, we now have available to us tax-free savings accounts, RRSPs, which we've had for decades, uh, RESPs, education savings accounts for children, um, corporate accounts, personal accounts, trust accounts. There is a list of vehicles that uh, individuals need to decide whether or not they are appropriate, at which point then they put some money within that vehicle, be that TFSA, RSP, and then invest it with Jack and I. But uh, again, Jack and I frequently speak about the importance of uh, being as efficient as you can with a dollar, uh, and certainly not making mistakes with that dollar, but making sure that dollar is being most efficiently used. Again, I always speak to, plain and simple, the importance of um, man- managing your largest expense, your largest expense for most of us. It is not your house. Uh, certainly most, most of us urbanites in Toronto, Vancouver, but it's in fact the tax man. Uh, income taxes never go away. Um, and that can be managed and simply put through RRSPs and even through TFSAs. But Mike, let's speak about that in terms of uh, perhaps a uh, order of operations, an order of sequence. And uh, secondly, um, the, the, the uh, uh, red flags 
to uh, and to avoid the potential mistakes that you can make with each and every one of these accounts. I'm speaking, of course, to over-contributing and under-contributing. Um, so, so let's talk first and foremost, Mike Bellamy, our financial planner, about order of operations, how to get the most bang for a buck. How do you save it? Where do you put it? Yeah, so that's that's the biggest question we had asked for clients. A lot of times it's, you know, RSP versus tax-free savings account. What are we looking at? Which one should we be utilizing? And at the end of the day, it comes down to a discovery process that we go with through with each client. But in general, when we're looking at these things, a lot of times, you know, if you're looking the RSP route, you want to have kind of a few key points. So one of them being, you know, your income is going to be over $50,000. Um, so at that point, you'll start to see some of the tax benefits of putting money into the RSP. And, and the second big one is obviously having savings that you're planning on for longer term. Right, you don't want to be putting money into an RSP that you're planning to to draw or or planning on needing any time in the future. Um, so it, it needs to be something that's invested for the long term going forward. And those are really the two key points that we'll go through with clients before deciding on the tax-free savings versus the RSP. And then when it comes to the tax-free savings accounts, um, you know, a lot of time we're looking at if you've you know, you don't, have, don't want to have any restrictions on your money. Uh, if you've got a shorter timeline, maybe it's being saved as part of a down payment for a house, um, buying a new car, whatever it may be. That's when we'll start to look at the tax-free savings account. I mean, ideally, you want to be doing both. But again, it's tough, um, tough for clients sometimes to do both of them. So that's where we'll look at those kind of key points as drivers towards either the tax-free savings account or the RSP if we need to choose between the two of them. But then we have Johnny and Jane, who are now five and seven, uh, and we want them to be able to be independent individuals, uh, and hence we want to make sure that they can get a good education. And once again, don't leave education funding to the last minute. The key is little bite-sized contributions to an RESP. So let's speak about the RESP the benefits, the benefits of having an RESP and the amount that you can contribute to an RESP to make sure that uh, Johnny and Jane have enough money and, and when they turn 18 to go to school. Yeah, so with the RESP, there's, um, there's sometimes a lot of confusion around the RESP. So very simplistically, if you follow the, the rules around maximizing your government grants, which means that they'll, the government will match... Uh, 20% of your contribution up to $500 a year. So the math works out if you contribute $2,500 a year, you'll get the maximum grant from the government, so which would be the $500. So right. most, most parents will try to max that out on an annual basis. And then typically by roughly about age 17, 16, your grants are maxed out. So the maximum amount of grants you can get over the lifetime of the child is 7,200 over that time frame. Well, that's free money sitting on the table. Exactly. So that's, that's something that we always encourage clients to take advantage of. And if for some reason, you know, you're, you're a little bit late in starting, you can catch up on some of that room as well. Um, You can only backtrack one year at a time though. So for instance, if you're, you know, three or four years behind, what we would do is if you put $5,000 in one year, you can get 1,000 of grants. So 500 for that current year and 500 for the previous year. 
So you, so you would kind of keep up. doing that. You can play catch up. So, I mean, keeping in mind, obviously, if the child's 15, then we probably won't be able to play catch up. But if they're in a six to seven year old range, then we should be able to catch up on the room. Well, we're going to take a little study break. The show is Hi-Fi Radio, the show about money with a little fidelity weaved in for the Saturday night to keep the beats alive. Uh, stay tuned, my good friends. More show, Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Wolfgang Klein going to spend some time with you, as will my partner, Jack Hartle. We're talking money. Uh, we want each and every one of you to have bags and bags and bags of it uh, so you can take care of yourself and take care of society. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Kids are back to school. COVID remains. we got to remain respectful to the science and the pandemic that we are dealing with uh, but life does move forward. Uh, you know, it's incredible uh, as we are all rethinking uh, the way we deal with life and deal with the pandemic. And uh, certainly some habits have changed. Uh, we deal with uh, Mike Bellamy, our uh, financial planner uh, at Canaccord Genuity, uh, partner of the Wolf on Bay Street team, uh, here to help each and every one of you with uh, planning questions and uh, ultimately having a plan and uh, we want to make sure everyone does have a plan. Um, Mike, uh, let's speak about uh, COVID and uh, again the importance of continuing to um, maintain a plan and sticking to a plan. Again, I say that because uh, Jack and I frequently are getting questions of should we stop, start, stop, start the plan, change the plan uh, due to perhaps the second wave the U.S. election, uh, trade tensions, market valuations, etc. Um, I want you to speak to, Mike, the importance of sticking to plan and, and truly what matters in the long term uh, when you are uh, working with clients who have been successful versus those who have been less than successful. Yep. No, 100%, Wolf. And, that's, and the key there is what you said is being consistent. So, you know, we've, we've talked about on the show before having, you know, those automatic withdrawals consistently contributing to your investments so that you're, you're averaging in as you're buying stocks going forward. So if you're consistently going forward with that, we find that the clients who are consistent are consistently hitting their goals. And the ones that are doing lump sums or waiting till the end of the year, waiting for bonuses, Obviously, with COVID-19, there's been some, some restructuring with bonuses. A lot of people are saying that they're, they're either being cut or a lot lower this year. So for those people, they're probably going to miss a year or two of, of savings. Whereas if you set it up to go with your monthly cash flow and have that money come out automatically, you're not going to see those misses. And, and you and I both know the power of compounding. Uh, if we can continue to 
have that money working for us, then we'll be better off going forward. And then that's going to make the plan just look that much better as we go forward. You know, uh, my son is just enrolled in the Humber College business program. And uh, his first business math class was all about compounding. And I continue to discuss the compounding. Again, I, I said to my son, Sebastian, I said, Sebastian, truly, compounding is when interest is making interest. In other words, if you're making 10% on a $100, uh, you made yourself $10. Next year, when you have yourself $110 and you make 10%, now you're making yourself $11. So eventually, the, the, the interest and the compounding of it becomes greater than the initial capital that you put in. And one day, I want you to, uh, get, for me, uh, show me a chart, Michael, uh, of the, uh, the, the capital put in versus the amount of interest earned on the interest or growth on the growth to, to, to show the inflection point. Because when it comes to money management and building wealth, Jack and I, through, through rigorous study and, and crunching numbers with you as well, Mike, have found that the magical date when the rate of change is significant enough that money begets so much money, um, it tends to be about 25 years. And so many of us have difficulty thinking out 25 years. And it's, it's, it's interesting, a, a good friend of mine, uh, I think, uh, the, as a matter of fact, with Global News Radio, Farah Nasser, um, turned 40, and, and on her Instagram post, she said, gee, when I was 25, I, I, I want to be an international correspondent, and I wanted to um, I don't know, be two or three other things. And fast forward 15 years, and her, her life was completely different than what she planned. The key there is she had at least a plan and then adjusted and adapted accordingly. Now, Jack, you're a very sage guy. Um, uh, you, you really are. And, and, and everything we're speaking about, of course, is right in your belly. But I want you to speak to that. Please jump in here and, and, and share with us your, 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 your 20 cents uh, on consistency, on compounding, and uh, on, on building wealth, uh, and, and adjusting plan accordingly. Yeah, well, we do run a lot of plans for our clients, and Mike does a great job doing that. But at the end of the day, they are just plans. Uh, and there's a lot of variables in them that you really can't control, which is we talked about the market. We talked about the election, uh, trade disputes. Who knows what's going to happen with COVID? Hopefully there's a vaccine soon. But clients can't control all that stuff. It's Unfortunately, those are unknowables. And for the most part, uh, especially when it comes to the election, you really can't invest around that because it tends to be a temporary uh, or provide temporary volatility. Um, and for a long-term investor, that volatility is actually uh, an opportunity to buy good quality stuff that's cheap. So like I said, in terms of investing and doing a plan, I think the most important thing that, mo that most people can do is stick to the variables that they can control. And that's what you guys were talking about initially, making sure your asset allocations align with your long-term objectives and goals. You know, don't go off course just based on short-term news uh, and, you know, scare tactics from the media. And the fact is that the most important thing that you can control is your regular savings. Uh, and then all those other variables over time, they do tend to smooth out. Uh, not to say that there won't be any volatility in between, but if you stick to your regular plan and you stick to your regular savings goals, um, those are the most important things that you can control. And uh, as long as you have a good uh, advisor helping you out, your asset allocation uh, and security selection, uh, they should be able to help you with that as well to make sure that you achieve those goals. Well, as we often say, Jack, uh, you want to be successful. Uh, you have to get out of bed. You have to go to work. You have to manage your spending to allow you to save and then invest. And if you do that consistently for 25 years, the Wolf on Bay Street guarantees successful 
outcome with a very, very, very high probability. And that's what this world is all about. Probability. So as Jack said, and I agree, focus on what you can control. You can control how hard you work. You can control how much money you spend. You can control, therefore, how much money you save and do so consistently. And on the spending front, I tell you, COVID-19 has certainly uh, seen a, an adjustment of less spending for most individuals. Uh, so there's certainly some additional cash flow available. Perhaps uh, the income has been offset as well. But that is all about the ongoing fine-tuning of the plan. But no aggressive start stops. It does not work. Uh, please, my good friends, study break. Going to take a little break. Get back to the show. Hi-Fi Radio, uh, our chief investment strategist, Mr. Tony Dwyer, live from Wall Street, is going to be joining us, and we're going to be talking market-specific. Where do we go from here? Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back, Hi Fi Radio. Hope your Saturday night is going oh so fine. Um, sit back. You know, grab a pen, make some notes. Uh, we're in school here at Money School, the school of money. And uh, who better to speak about money, in my opinion, than my chief investment strategist, Mr. Tony Dwyer, live from Wall Street, uh, frequently seen on CNBC. Absolute rock star. Ate a little humble pie, and I respect that as well, with the uh, no retest coming in. Big respect for the humble pie eating. It's a humble business, and uh, it is not a business about perfection. It's a business of singles and doubles and probabilities. Uh, it's all about probability. Tony, can you speak about um, uh, the word probability and the importance of it when making any investment decision, my good friend? Well, any, any investment decision, Wolf, it has to be built on data. So I think we did a good job of downgrading the market in January. I think we did a good job of identifying a tradable low in March. Um, and then after that initial 20% run, we made a mistake by thinking it was going to go back and retest because that's what the historical data supported. And like you said, Wolfie, it's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. So we switched again uh, back to being very bullish in May. So, you know, you can make a mistake. But the real mistake is to continually make it out of arrogance versus just accepting that the data didn't work and you look at where you are from current levels. It, again, it, it's a very humbling business. And this is where I think the experts come into the equation, uh, trying through experience and knowledge and support of putting emotion aside and being able to make the difficult decisions. And that truly, I think, separates the winners from the losers. And the, di the difficult decisions are knowing when to cut bait. As Kenny Rogers said, you have to know when to hold, you have to know when to fold. And both are very, very difficult because that's where fear and greed comes into the equation. Uh, here we are, my good friend, uh, coming up to the end of September. Not a bad month, little volatility as expected. Uh, what's your playbook, Tony, for uh, the month of October and then, of course, heading into uh, that little event uh, you call, uh, I think, an election? Yeah. 
So at this point, Wolfie, I don't think there's a lot that we can bet on the election. I, I know people want to bet certain ways, and I know they want to say someone's going to win or someone's going to lose, someone else is going to win, or there could be a Democratic sweep, or there could be a contested election. At this point, all of them are guesses. But what it has created is a period of, like you said, an expected indigestion. We've expect, been expecting after that 50% rally in the market into early August. We've been expecting some um, a period of indigestion where you have these seven percentage type of corrections. And then when you got some of these mega cap growth stocks to run like they did, you know, where they're going up 10% because they're going to do a stock split. Most like that are just not sustainable. You wait for them to pull back and then you take advantage of them. And I think that's where we are now. Um, Jack Pipe in here. Uh, of course, our good buddy Tony Dwyer has joined us. I don't want to take all of his airtime. Yeah, for sure. Just like Tony said, I mean, when the markets run uh, 50% off of a low like it did in, off of March, uh, it just looks for any excuse to sell off. And again, uh, in terms of uh, sell-offs, they tend to be relatively short uh, and they tend to be corrections. And a correction in a market, they typically happen, you know, three to four times a year. They happen for various reasons. Um, but they typically recover relatively quick. And I, I think Tony's really hit the nail on the head in terms of uh, the conference callers on this morning. Um, you know, when you're in the, in the middle of a correction like this, you have to ask yourself, is something bigger happening out there right now? Is there an issue with credit? Is there an issue with liquidity in the market? Is there an issue, uh, issue with economic activity contracting? And, and in the case of, you know, March and April, there was. There was an issue with all three of those uh, factors. But the fact is now they're all actually in the, uh, potentially recovering. Uh, and getting better. So looking at them right now, Tony, you look at the credit market, um, you see very tight spreads, you see liquidity out there. We see our clients, the, the fact is, if you want to buy fixed income and get a, a guaranteed return, you actually have a negative uh, interest rate or a negative real return. Can you speak to that in terms of, you know, what investors have in terms of options for investment? Because if you look at fixed income, uh, they're really pushing people out the risk curve, either take on high yield or equity risk. Right. So as you guys know, I, I advise U.S. institutions. So the reason that you guys are great at what you do is, is you know what to do with individuals. So I'll couch this, this next statement by saying that, that how somebody acts in fixed income or equity, Jack, as you know, depends upon their own risk tolerance that they have come to with the help of their financial advisor like you guys. Now, from the standpoint of, for the life of me, I don't know why somebody would buy a guaranteed negative return. For the life of me, I don't understand that. Um, I would, so to me, I, I don't really understand the buying of credit here. And I think the pension plans in the U.S. are kind of forced to because they have duration and things like that that, that aren't going to make sense on a, on a radio show. But it, it really seems like the Fed has put, it, has put their monetary policy in a place where they've said that they're going to keep rates at zero for years. Now, when all of us got in the business, um, I got in the business personally in 1987. And since then, every single cycle, the Fed chairperson says, these low rates aren't going to last forever. These are temporary just to kickstart things. And then we're going to raise them again. That's not what they're saying. They're saying we're going to keep them here for a very long time. So I, I'm not truly understanding the fixed income trade. Yeah, um, then I want to... Um Sorry, sorry, Jack. I want to come over to a piece that I, I, Jack and I spoke about uh, off-air, off and that's from Bespoke Investment Research. 
And and it's basically they were looking at a fear index. Uh, and they're saying right now there is more fear in the market than there was at the low of 2008. So, of course, as things get worse, fear goes up and people expect what happened yesterday to happen tomorrow. Yet, it's a contrarian indicator. Yeah, you look at that, yeah. Wolf, and the article that they sent us, is the fact that there's recency bias out there. When you just had a crash like we just had in March and April, everyone that experienced it, especially after you've had a big run-up like this, they expect it to happen again. And the other fact is that if someone's experienced an event themselves, uh, they think it's more likely to happen again as well. So people that went through the crash that we had earlier this year, you know, they look at it and say, I don't want that to happen to me again. I want to get more defensive. And based on Tony's work, you know, we do expect these corrections to come along the way. But in terms of economic activity, expanding liquidity and credit, um, there are positive signs out there in the market that this is we're in the early stages of an economic recovery. But the, and the other point to that, and I want you to jump in here, Tony, is what happens, Tony, like when, when everyone knows a second wave is coming and everyone is expecting volatility around the election. And so when everyone believes X, what happens, Tony? Well, I, I think it's easy for us, Wolfie, to say that why, when everybody expects X, Y happens, but that's not actually true. You know, people like me are famous for coming in the media and saying, everybody's negative, so you want to be positive. Usually, the consensus is right until that very last moment that it pivots as being wrong. So clearly, sentiment has gotten much less optimistic than it was a month ago when stocks were going crazy to the upside because they were going to split and because of whatever. Um, that I, I would say that sentiment's not at a point where you could say, wow, this is a perfect contrarian call. But to Jack's point, recency bias is a really big deal. I mean, people are still remembering what took place in the great financial crisis, much less what happened earlier this year. So I think this it's not just market fear, it's income fear, it's healthcare fear, it's political fear. There's so much there that gives you that wall of worry and angst. I do believe that it is a, a good time to use that angst to our advantage, but I don't think it's at a level where you can say, wow, it's never been more negative like this. You know, and that's very interesting, Tony, because again, I, I do agree. The trend is your friend. Follow it. So yeah, the, the, no different. Consensus is right until it's wrong. And that's called an inflection point. And, and, and that is really, if you can find that magic and get a good handle on that magic, uh, you, you can uh, certainly uh, significantly uh, outperform peers. Correct. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, that's the pivot, but you've got to be willing. So, for example, as you guys know, I was taking a lot of income for not chasing the mega cap stay-at-home mega cap growth stocks. I, I just thought that they had gone too far to the upside. And I, I, we were taking heat for that. And now not so much. They've given back the last three months in three weeks. So, you know, again, you just have to use it. To, one, there's no magic elixir here, as you guys and your clients know. There's a, it, there's a, a conglomerate of indicators, economic, macro, tactical, sentiment, that you put together, you throw them into a funnel and you see what comes out. And, you know, fortunately, I think we've had a pretty good track record at doing that. And of course there's mistakes along the way. It would be stupid and ignorant for me to say, geez, I don't make a mistake. The world is full of people saying we didn't make a mistake. Um, that's not us. It's just, again, staying wrong is unacceptable. 
Uh, no, Tony, to I Tony. completely agree with you. Sorry, Jack. Yeah, uh, Tony, it comes down to, you guys kicked it off with the show, you're talking about it, you know, probabilities. You, you don't really deal in absolutes in the markets because so, just because something happened in the past, there's no guarantee that it's going to happen again. But like you said, when you're wrong, admit it. And that's all part of risk management. And that's part of professional wealth management as opposed to Robinhood investors just going out and buying a bunch of calls and then uh, having them expire on them. Uh, Tony, can you speak uh, to, to the market about Robinhood? Uh, the, the phenomena, is it real? How large is it? Where does it come from? Uh, it's You can't qualify. Yes, it is real. There is there is options activity metrics that my good friend Jason Gofford at cinnamontrader.com uh, points me to. I can tell you in August, I wrote a, I wrote a piece in the... Um, and because there's a, my kids are 24 and 25. One of the young men, not them, one of their friends was sitting here at the kitchen table up in the Adirondacks. And he was telling me how much money he was making on the, on the deep in the money call he on a mega cap stock. And his friends were bewildered why I didn't want to do the same thing. Cause it was easy money. And now they're all buried. They're all panicking. <laughs> like there was a chat room about how the old guy doesn't know what he's doing anymore. <laughs> sure enough. Eventually, it works until it really doesn't, and they're all getting hit. And those, what was happening in the states is that the younger, or not just younger, but the day traders, figured out that it was easy money. Why would you have to go back to work when you can just buy this symbol? And it doesn't work that way. You know, it's to add to your income and your retirement and your needs, not to speculate purely. And I think that's in the Robinhood traders and some of the smaller odd lot traders. I think they built up an expectation that this was going to be what they were going to do. I remember that, my good friend, in 1998 and 1999, when I was actually in broadcasting and a friend of mine uh, left the restaurant business to stay home and be a day trader. And it worked very, very well for about 18 months. Well, he's back in the restaurant business. Uh, you are listening to Hi-Fi Radio. It's a global news radio network, 640 in Toronto. It's a delight have our chief investment strategist, Mr. Tony Dwyer, live from Wall Street. Join us. Uh, absolute rock star. We're speaking about the, well, the volatile, the most volatile period in the market is right here, right now. We're here to help you get through it and protect and grow your money. Please stay tuned. More show right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Saturday night, show about money, Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager. If you have any questions about money, you have a friend, and it's me, WolfgangKlein.com. Visit our website, reach out to me. We'll get back to you, ASAP, because you matter to us. You matter a lot. Good friend of mine who matters a lot to me as well. His name is Mr. Tony Dwyer. He's a partner uh, of ours on the Wolf on Bay Street. I had the delight and good fortune to have a readily accessible dialogue with this man on Wall Street. His name is Tony Dwyer. He's been on the show frequently. Uh, well, certainly a uh, A-line player for Jack and I. And, uh, I can't tell you how fortunate we are to be able to uh, have uh, some airtime with you, Tony. Um, so let's go into 
what the market, I believe, is truly doing. And, and Fidelity, I think, nailed it. When Fidelity said the market has now accepted COVID, the market has accepted a U.S. election, uh, Democrat, Republican put aside, the market is looking towards next year. Uh, in, your, in your opinion, Tony, what is the market telling us about 2021 and what kind of a year next year will be? Will it be a replay of this year or will it t- take on a whole new shape of its own? Well, it should take on a shape of its own in that. So what we had coming into this year, and, and the reason we downgraded our market view in January before the decline was things were a little, the Fed was had been tightening, um, liquidity was being drained, the yield curve had inverted, which meant lending was going to become uh, tougher to get. Liquidity was kind of dry. All the, all the bad stuff was kind of happening going into the peak in early February. And then, of course, COVID-19 came along and kind of blew up the whole thing and accelerated what was coming, uh, likely coming anyway. So that shutdown created a recession that we're now rebounding from. So you have a, a historic drop followed by a historic recovery. And now you're probably going to have more of a methodical, um, volatile, difficult advance, but in advance. Because what we have, Wolf and Jack, is we have two key factors. Historic excess liquidity. It means there's money that's available. And a synchronized global pivot off of the, off the low. So a synchronized global recovery. You get into trouble in the, in the markets and the economy when you have a need for money and no access to the money. That's not the case today. We have a historic amount of money availability and we have a, the, we're in the beginning of an economic turn, not the end like we were in January. So I think it's a time to be optimistic, managing the expectations though. Not every year is going to see 50% rallies. Tony, I, I did something that is, I can say somewhat American uh, and, and so not in keeping with my philosophy towards money. And that is I went out and borrowed a lot of money uh, just the other day to uh, move homes. Uh, Tony, uh, I know money is cheap in America. I think it's a little cheaper here in Canada. I was able to borrow money, Tony, at 1.65%. Not that you can borrow because you could have said it Last cycle, you could have said, well, it would have been historically unique to be able to borrow at 3%, right? <laughs> so it's yeah. that rates are low. We've seen that each cycle. What's different about this cycle is they're telling you it's going to stay there. They're not telling you, okay, you got to love the low rates because they're about to bounce. They're telling you they're going to keep them there, and that's the good thing behind this thing. The other, the other thing I would add there, gives you, but no, that gives you visibility. That gives businesses visibility on their cash flow right. and their debt repayment needs. It gives me visibility. See, because I went variable rate mortgage because, as you said, Tony, they told me they're not going to raise rates. So, yeah, go variable. I'm, I'm, I'm borrowing money at prime, basically prime less one. It's prime less 95 basis. But the point, Tony, when I got my first home in 1989, 11 and three quarters. So this is 10% cheaper. Uh, and, and, and again, from a financial planning point of view, every mortgage payment I make right now, over 50% of it is going to pay off principal. So it is forced savings. Sorry, hop in there, Jack. 
Yeah, just with this low interest rate environment, the Fed has also indicated, and they said that they're going to, well, they're changing their policy, actually. They've come out and said that they're going to do average inflation uh, targeting. So, Tony, I was wondering if you could maybe speak to that. Uh, I know you guys talk about uh, uh, them not raising rates anytime soon, but the fact is, um, even once the economy starts to get hot, uh, I would expect them to, to stay on hold as well. So how does that affect uh, your outlook for the market and target for the S&P 500? That's a great question, Jack. And, and we don't have to guess that, guys, we've done so many radio shows together. We don't have to guess at what the Fed's going to do. They literally told us back in the day, you know, from the 80s, 90s, and even the O's, it, it, they, they would kind of talk in, I call it uh, a different language. They use words that I can't pronounce or say and, you know, come up with these theories. And they're not. He said, we're printed. Fed Chairman Powell, what caused us to get so bullish way earlier this year after the drop was that uh, he said, we're just printing the money. We don't, Jack, we don't have to guess as to what they're going to do. It's totally unique to this cycle. Last year um, in the summertime, early in the summertime, and I think we did a show uh, with you guys about it. The Fed, I, I wrote a piece about how the Fed is changing its view. Uh, it was a generational change from folks thinking that inflation was going to be the problem to folks thinking deflation was going to be the problem. And when you're worried about deflation, like ending up in a permanent, like a, an off and on recession for 30 years, kind of like Japan, you've got to avoid deflation. And that's what the Fed is doing, Jack. They're trying to really keep expectations for rates so low that it kicked that to, to Wolfie's point, companies can kind of plan forward on cash management. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Tony, um, help us out here. Uh, Jack and I took your advice. Uh, we sold some expensive companies uh, trading at 10, 15, 20, 25 times revenue uh, with very uh, shallow earnings, shall I say. But companies that obviously are, are these stay-at-home COVID-19 trades. I'm talking DocuSign. I'm talking we peel back some Square. We even turn back some of our some semiconductor mm-hmm. exposure. Uh, but we are still long those banks in the United States. Uh, we own some Citigroup, some J.P. Morgan, some Goldman Sachs, yeah. Bank of America. Yes, we're getting a nice dividend. Uh, but the market really is giving them no love. Uh, they get these little pops. They come right back down. Uh, we got about 20% cash, Tony. Uh, we are waiting for some additional volatility in the marketplace. How do you think we should best deploy that cash in terms of sector calls, Tony? I think it's economically sensitive and then as bad as the financials and big banks have been, um, we're still thinking that that'll work out over the next six to 12 months. Um, as you take your loan loss reserves lower, in other words, companies allocated for a historic amount of loan loss reserves, similar to what happened after the great financial crisis, but those loan losses haven't come in. So eventually the capital that they were forced to hold uh, in reserve gets opened up and that could help them do things eventually when they get to buy back stocks and, and increase their dividends. So um, banks have not been our focus as much as industrials and materials and commodities, and they've all pulled back. And I think there's where you get the, a good opportunity as well. If you have, um, if you have a, an economy that's inflecting higher with money to fund it, I think that's where you want to invest. Well, certainly on the commodity side, we can do a lot of work here at home in Canada. We tend to be pretty good in that space. 
When it comes to the industrial side, Jack and I have to dig in deeper. And again, Jack and I always bounce around the companies like 3M. But again, what amazes me, the brilliance of the American economy and American enterprise is the S&P 500 companies, half of the revenue is international revenue, global revenue. So um, with the U.S. dollar in a downward trajectory, uh, that too will give uh, U.S. businesses an extra kick when they repatriate dollars back home, correct? Yes, it, it, it helps do business overseas. The dollar, the dollar historically, it's having a bit of a bounce now because it was so weak. Um, but the dollar's been weak because there was an inappropriate move into it because people feared the worst as the COVID-19 pandemic rolled out globally. And then when that didn't happen, all you do is neutralize that trade. So investors said, okay, I don't need to be in the dollar because the world's not coming to an end. And then what happens is you get a bounce as they, and after it gets too oversold. And then that second leg lower is because the global economy is starting to pivot in a better way. So you actually get further weakness in the dollar. And that's where it helps I, them with big names. I, Tony, I just gave Zach, a, or excuse me, I just gave Jack an amazing record collection. I, I'm moving. I had some doubles and triples. Uh, I think one of the records I gave him was a super tramp crises. What crises? Uh, again, the great financial crises. Uh, that was enough. Was it 13 years ago? I guess it was. Holy smokes, time flies, Tony. 2008, so 12 years ago, uh, 08, 09. Um, uh, all around housing and bad loans uh, being made to the American public, and how dare those banks lend money to uncreditworthy people? Uh, they should be blamed. Um, what was the narrative? Uh, where are we with U.S. housing in terms of a U.S. housing recovery? Uh, did, fully recovered, new all, because obviously Japan never did recover, recover from its housing uh, bubble. But uh, tell, speak to your U.S. housing market and home, home building in the United States. Well, you had, you had a poor demographic trend in Japan. You still do. You have an aging population. You have a less diversified economy. And the, back in the great post bank, uh, great financial crisis in the U.S., the U.S. government made this, the U.S. banks fess up to what they did. They penalized them. They made them through Basel III. They made them increase their loan provision, the money they have on the balance sheet. I mean, on the Fed, they had they had to do extraordinary things to pay the price for what um, they did. That didn't happen in Japan. In Japan, they just kind of ignored it and swept and generally swept it under the rug. So you had a lot of zombie banks. Now, at, at this time, you know, the U.S., we went through that. We took the pain of it. And now, hopefully, at some point here, we'll benefit from it. So housing market is, is built on two things. Interest rates, they're at a historic low. Demographics, the millennial demographic is aging into where they want to start, start up a family with a significant other. And, and buy a house. So we're, we're in that, we're kind of in the sweet spot, which is showing up in the data. Tony, that was one of the best pieces that you shared with Jack and I seven, eight years ago uh, about the, uh, uh, the baby boomers children, millennials turning 30 and household formation unfolding. I'm seeing it right before uh, our very eyes. Uh, lots of demand, lots of young families now entering the housing market. And again, the good news for them Entering the housing market, you have visibility on interest rates. Tony's telling us because the Fed told us rates shall stay low for a long period of time so you can better plan. Tony Dwyer, live from Wall Street, Canaccord Genuity's chief investment strategist. Uh, always a treat, always a pleasure. You're a great guy, Tony. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday evening, my good friend. Uh, Jack, 
you keep spinning that Thank vinyl. You, uh, hope it sounds good. Uh, friends at home, enjoy the, rest, enjoy the rest of your Saturday night. And uh, always know that Jack and I are here for you. If you have any questions about money, WolfgangKlein.com. Have a great weekend. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.